1: Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who is still recovering from temporary hearing loss over the weekend, Jerem Jordan.
2: Yeah, I should have brought some uh, earplugs. No, just kidding. Uh, I was in the press box, so I, I, didn't, I didn't hear what Arizona State heard. Arizona State had so many penalties, 16, four full, false starts on a single drive, which is crazy. Um, in fact, if you forgot what it sounded like and looked like, <laughs> here you go.
3: Here we give BYU great field position.
0: Yes, you might have moved. Well, ball start. Offense number seven. And they moved again. Ball start. Offense number 82 some credit for getting it to the backfield. Second and six. And (laughs) Ball start. Offense number 87. Second and long. And they did it again. They did it again.
2: On coordinator's corner, unbelievable. Ed Lamb said that he's been to like 60 home games as a player and coach now, and that was the loudest he had heard it. Arizona State offense coordinator Zach Hill, who used to be at Boise State, so he's played in Provo, on the deafening crowd noise during the BYU game, quote, they weren't able to hear Jaden's clap, and so we had to transition into a different form of snapping the football. They got to us a bit, rattled us a bit, and then it just compounded.
1: You want to talk about home field advantage? Yeah, that's the definition of it right there.
2: Yeah. Also, it's the 21st of September, Earth Wind and Fire Day. Also, Joe Smith Moroni Day. So it's a big day. And tomorrow's my dad's birthday. So there you go.
1: I learned something about you uh, pre-show. Earth Wind and Fire played a large role in your childhood.
2: Oh yeah, dude. Uh, tw- yeah, yeah. Literally, we'd pull up to my aunt's house in uh, Middleton, Idaho, uh, Bruce and Lorena Homestead, and they- just uh, they'd play that out their house, and everyone would just dance. <laughs> it was awesome.
1: Dude. And that tradition <laughs> continues till today. I wish. Okay. Bring it back, man. <laughs> Maybe we need to do it on BYU Sports Station every we've all, we've
2: September 21st. Yeah, we need to get the uh, rights. The to rights. The song. Okay. We, we have a year to work on that or an hour.
1: Your Tuesday show lineup does feature the rights to this question. Does BYU football really have the depth to win 10 games in this loaded schedule, the Cougars? Got a little battered and beaten after three straight Power Fives, understandably. We'll address that. Also, Jeff Benedict, New York Times best-selling author, was at the Patriots-Jets game on Sunday. His insider perspective on Zach Wilson's turbulent home debut. And how's the fit for Kyle Van Noy in his second go-around with New England? Plus, play-by-play man Dave McCann previews a loaded edition of After Further Review upcoming tonight. And is BYU football really that good or is the Pac-12 just that bad? We're asking all of those questions, but not before we bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines.
2: BYU in South Florida, Game Four, Saturday night in Provo. Yesterday in the weekly press conference, head coach Klein Stakke shared some bad news about captain and starting middle linebacker Keenan Peely.
0: Talked about some of the injuries. Um, everybody should be back except for one, and that's Keenan Peely, who we lost for the season. He uh, tore his ACL. And so he'll be out. He'll be um, still rehabbing and getting ready for surgery.
2: Keenan Peely, torn ACL out for the year, which is just terrible news. Uh, Keenan Peely tweeted, only a minor bump in the road. My brother's got a job to finish. Much love, Cougar Nation. Hashtag nine more. The quarterback of the defense, a captain. It's a big loss. Uh, how big of a loss? We'll discuss in what's
1: Yeah, no way around it. Keenan Peely leaves some big shoes to fill in the middle of that BYU defense. Jamal Williams gets beat by his, as he called it, ex-girlfriend. Green Bay Packers, 35-17 on Monday Night Football. Seven carries, 25 yards, three catches, 12 yards. Also on the NFL front, Tristan Hodge has a new NFL home. He signs with the Cleveland Browns practice squad. Tristan, undrafted out of BYU, signed with the New York Jets, and was waived back in August, but his career continues. Congratulations to Tristan.
2: Uh, Marty was heard to say, Yeah! Women's volleyball jumps four spots to 11 in the ABCA rankings after a sweep against number 10 Utah and Utah Valley. Cougars play Pacific and St. Mary's this week. Uh BYU TV, BUA TV app Thursday, and then the BUA TV app Saturday. Kenzie Kerber, WCC Offensive Player of the Week after 32 kills and six sets. She had a great week!
1: Holy cow, she's playing at another level. And also, also playing at another level. BYU women's golf has a team collectively in second place at the Mercedes-Benz Intercollegiate Gold Tournament. Kirsten Fotu currently in first place, six under par. Alicia May Mateo is also currently in the top ten. Good luck, ladies, the rest of the way.
2: Whitney Orton is the USTF a Women's Athlete of the Week after winning the Florida State Cross Country Opens the 6K in 2016-8. She's the first BYU uh, female runner to win the sports. It's Kate Hunter in October 2018. Congratulations to Whitney Orton. There's a future Deep Blue podcast with Whitney Orton and Anna Camp Bennett coming up in a couple of weeks.
1: It'll be fantastic. Former BYU women's volleyball standout Ronnie Jones-Perry. RJP! Copper Hills! Team USA, she's playing for the women's team in the Pan American Cup. They finish with the bronze medal as they defeat Canada in a three-set sweep. 13th medal and 4th bronze for the United States all-time in the Pan-American Cup. She was named one of the two best Spikers in the medal match with 15 points.
2: So the national team coach for the women doesn't normally coach this team, but Karch Karai went and coached this team, which is pretty cool. That's on. That's so, fantastic. Uh, Ronnie hanging out with Karch.
1: Hey, Karch knows what BYU uh, can bring to the table. Mary out. Lake and Ronnie Jones-Perry. Lucas Labe, one of his yeah. assistants. Really cool. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending.
0: You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation.
1: What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. The injury bug hits BYU in the form of Keenan Peely and a torn ACL. He's out for the season. Very unfortunate news for BYU in that defense, which has been so good, Jerem, giving up under 17 points per game. There have been some other Nixon and bruises. We saw Jaron Hall have to leave the game. Baylor Romney came in late to secure the deal against Arizona State. Jake Oldroyd has had his issues in the kicking game, has not played for, in a couple of games. Yeah. Does BYU have the depth with the remainder of this schedule to hold on and win 10 games in the regular season?
2: <sighs> I think it's going to be hard. I really do. Because I think it would be hard if BYU was fully healthy the whole year, let alone banged up. So, I'm going to say it's probably going to be tough. Um, I still think there are a couple losses on the schedule, just naturally. I love the way BYU started. It's awesome. We're all enjoying it. It's amazing. I just think there's going to be some tough road trips. Yesterday we talked about it. In the final six games, BYU's playing four Power Fives, three on the road. They're all winnable games. USC has shown some vulnerability. But USC's still really good, right? Virginia, that's going to be an interesting game. Brendan Armstrong's chucking it all over the field. Uh, Washington State feels like a winnable game, right, given how Utah State went up there and won. At Baylor feels like that's going to be a tough game. What's up, Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos? Boise State's there. Listen, BYU can always compete, but the cost of playing three Power Fives in a row that we haven't necessarily discussed is you get beat up. You just get beat up because it's a different level. A couple players have even said that to us, right? Hey, one player told me last year I was sore, but this year I'm sore from playing these first three against Power 5 teams. So I really hope so. Um, I think we really like the backups in a lot of positions. I just hope that there's no catastrophic ones. Go back to 2014. We had a similar feeling to what we have now. Uh, BYU beat two of Power 5s and was 4-0, Um, you know, in in Virginia and Texas, um, and and was ranked 18th, and Taysom gets hurt, and and the whole thing blows up. BYU loses four in a row. I don't see that happening um, with BYU because there's more depth at that particular position. Sure. But uh, I hope so. I think if BYU was fully healthy, it would still be tough to get 10.
1: I think the key for BYU to get to 10 wins in the regular season, and maybe this sounds crazy, but Jeremy is winning the next three games, which they will be favored in.
2: To get four, then you would only need four, you know, of the next seven.
1: Correct. Well, yeah, right. With you a ballgame. You've got to beat USF, which is going to happen. BYU's yeah. a 23.5 yeah. point favorite. Yes. Yeah. They'll get to 4-0. Oh. Then you go to Logan. Sneaky. Kind of a weird game. Yep. BYU's going to be in front of that volatile student section. They have moved the sidelines to give themselves more of a home field advantage.
2: Farmersonly.com will be there.
1: Okay, so if BYU can survive that in-state game and in an upset alert from Utah State 5 and 0 and then they come home and take on Boise State which is another tricky game. Boise State's 1 and 2 and I know what you're thinking. They're 1 and 2. What's the big deal? They lost to UCF on the road a game they should have won. They were up 24 to 7 in that game. Yep. Let it slip away and they have a 1 point home loss to BYU's future Big 12 homie, Oklahoma State. Should have won that game. Missed and a 36-yard, 36-yard that game. field goal late. Boise State. Yep. Yeah is a couple of plays away from being 3-0 and and ranked in the top it's, 25. It's
2: Boise State. They have complete respect yes. from us. From I know me. that BYU yeah.
1: plays them yeah. better in Provo, and we talked about that this summer when Boise State is, especially when they're not a 10-1 team and they come to Provo, they don't beat BYU. The Cougars are looking for a third straight win. But, Jeremy, if, if they get three straight wins and get to 6-0, yeah. BYU's going to win 10 games in the regular season.
2: It be, yes, if BYU gets to 6-0, they're real confident. Because you have Idaho State, you have Georgia Southern, you have a Conference USA foe in the bowl game. That means you need to win one of those Power 5 games, the four. That's totally doable. And it's Washington State. That's the one, right?
1: BYU At will least! Be, right now they are favored heavily, according yes. to ESPN's Football Power Index, to win that game in Pullman, Washington.
2: I can't tell you how validating right now it feels, right? We all feel it. The validation of, hey, this... This, it, this team built off of last year. It, wasn't, it didn't just lean on last year's schedule. Listen, last year's schedule was way easier than it is this year, and BYU dominated. It was awesome. BYU did what it needed to do. BYU did what it had to do. Now, this year, is playing this really tough schedule. Granted, nice, upfront home games. Three home games in a row. I'm calling the game in Vegas a home game because it totally well, it really
1: was. Is, BYU doesn't really leave a home atmosphere until mid-October.
2: Well, October, it, it'll be a road atmosphere at Utah State. How many sh- BYU sure.
1: fans will show up in Logan?
2: Right, but there'll be, there'll be plenty of WeAreFarmersOnly.com. Oh, yeah, right?
1: the students will let them know it. Yes,
2: yeah. um, but you're right. The, the Like, leave the state? It's Baylor on, what, the 16th of October? I mean, that's insane. So this schedule is totally built for BYU to f- get a fast start, crack the top ten, or be right there, right? And then, uh, you know, BYU might be ninth going into Waco if BYU can get through these next three. It's really interesting and validating because if BYU can win even nine games, honestly, ten games, that that just screams BYU's ready for the Big 12. BYU's ready for the every game is going to be like Arizona State and Utah and Arizona, you know what I mean? Where it's tough, grind it out, you're not throwing for 300, you're not plus two every time. Someone said to me, like, oh, well, BYU's got to play way better. BYU won. Like when BYU's in Lubbock and survives Texas Tech 55 to 49, it's not going to matter. It's just, you just got to go win. And playing all these power fives, it's a different formula. It's not tied at to Andy Boyce for 350 in 1990.
1: Now comes the group of five trio. So if BYU can handle the group of five trio, get a little bit more healthy, Jaron Hall. Uh, Keenan Ellis comes back and plays on the defensive side of the Who ball. Knows,
2: maybe we'll see him this Jake
1: week. Jake Oldroyd hopefully can get his back situation figured out and he can kick on a consistent basis. I think BYU has the depth right now to win the next three games and get to six and zero, which then sets them up to win ten games, yeah. not just ten and three. Jerem, ten in the regular season. There's this, a chance like, this BYU team that'd be crazy. They win forty percent. ...of their Power 5 games, right?
2: Yeah, and Kalani era is like 35 right now.
1: Okay, they've already won three. Well, it's better with these three. They've already won three. Yeah. So if you just take the 50%, they get 50% of the Final Four. They only get one more. Maybe Washington State. I don't think they're going to lose to Baylor, Virginia, and USC. This team is too good.
2: I don't think BYU is losing to Virginia at home.
1: That's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay? So if you win two of the Final Four Power 5s and beat the group of five opponents you're 10-2 and two in the regular season.
2: Which would and be they, amazing. They
1: do have the depth to do this because of the quarterback position. And Drew Jensen, well, Ben s- Bywater, those guys hopefully step up at linebacker. We're saying it, it as Peer. currently
2: constituted. What we're not foreseeing is the injury to some guy whose backup is not even close to as good as him right now. Okay, We're saying as is. There will be other injuries, unfortunately. It just happens. It's football. Topic two. Through three games, have we learned that BYU is good? Or that the Pac-12's bad? This has been discussed on both sides of the coin. The Pac-12 side, the Utah side, and the BYU side.
1: We've learned both. <laughs> BYU is a good football team. They're a disciplined football yeah, team. Yeah, no doubt. They play really solid defense. We have learned those things. Jaron Hall, for the most part, has taken really good care of the ball and has been a dynamic playmaker when he needs to be. He's been a gamer in clutch moments. We've learned those things. BYU is a good football team. They deserve to be ranked in the top 15. No argument there. From the Pac 12 obviously is down. Arizona is in the dregs of the Pac 12. They are not good.
2: that's that, that status quo for them. Okay? Yeah.
1: They're in the first year of under Jed Fish. They just lost to an FCS it opponent.
2: Don't, it don't matter who the coach is, they stink.
1: Hey, Arizona is not good. Okay. Arizona State, however, I think is a good football team. That was a great measuring stick for BYU. Utah, okay, Utah's having a down year. They're one and two. Utah's not a bad football team. No. Right now they're a mediocre Pac-12 football team. But maybe they get better as the season progresses right. because they're switching quarterbacks. Yeah. And things yeah. are changing. Right I, now, I, I it's like, early so early. I feel like BYU has played three different tiers of Pac-12 teams in three games. They played a horrible team in Arizona. They played a mediocre Utah team but still got the monkey off the back and ended the losing streak. And they've played a good Pac-12 team. Arizona State could very well go on to win the Pac-12 South. If they don't commit 16 penalties and four turnovers. If it's only nine, maybe they win. They might have beaten BYU. Arizona yeah. State is not going to face a crowd as loud as BYU as probably the rest of the season. Okay? Yeah. So to me, like I, it's three different tiers.
2: I think Utah is better than you think Utah is. Um, oh, San Diego State. San Diego State's respectable. Like at home, it got weird. Quarterback switch, blah, blah, blah. I still think Utah's going to be an eight plus win team. Any Power Five win for BYU against an eight plus win team is notable because that team was good. A lot of times when BYU beats a Power Five, maybe they weren't, sometimes they weren't that good, and maybe that's why. I don't think that's the case here. I think both Arizona State and Utah are eight plus win teams. Maybe Arizona State wins the South. Maybe Utah wins the South. They haven't even played a Pac 12 South game yet. Yeah, we'll see. And Arizona's there. That's a win.
1: I hope <laughs> I hope Utah turns out to be a great team to help BYU strength the schedule. And that takes us to our question of the day. Do you care about BYU opponents playing well the rest of their season? Mm. Why or why not? Let's hear from you, BYUSN, and Voice of the Nation.
0: This is the Voice
1: of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. Kyle Nelson on Instagram says, yes, 2020 will always be marred because BYU played mediocre opponents. Marred? What? If no, BYU, it was celebrated. If BYU wants respect, if BYU wants the New Year's Six, that is, mm. BYU's opponents have to do well. BYU should now be the biggest Arizona, Arizona State, and U of U fans. Look, it's, no, I,
2: I get it. It's yeah.
1: a fruitless endeavor to root for Arizona at this point. <laughs> yes, exactly. and root for Utah and Arizona State. Don't waste your time with Arizona right now. Seriously, like they're, I, they're not going to win more than two or three games.
2: It's fine to talk about the idea of the near six. It's not a reality to me. It's just too hard. It really is. One loss, BYU. One loss is you. You maybe get it. You're, there are three at large spots this year. Like you're going to have to out at large another one loss power five team. Now BYU's schedule is good enough to be in the conversation this year. Finally, right. It's, it's super tough. I'm telling you, this team is really good. Just because I'm saying they're not going to go undefeated doesn't mean I don't think they're very good. I think BYU is awesome.
1: Tell us what you think. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do you care how the opponents play?
2: Yeah. Do you, do you want Utah to win is what we're asking. I do! <laughs> Coming up, Amia Culpa from John Wilmer.
1: And New York Times bestselling author Jeff Benedict was at the Patriots-Jets game in New York or New Jersey on Sunday. What was his impression after Zach Wilson got booed? This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Catch BYU football with Clint Sitake as coach recaps the Arizona
2: State game preview. South Florida. Tyler Algier in studio, Isaac Rex in the film room, Peyton Wilgar featured in the latest D-Blue. Tonight, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV.
1: We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. BYU football, still 3-0, still ranked number 15 in the country. Awesome, man. Life is good. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. You know what? It's always nice to have a New York Times bestselling author on the show, Jeremy. Yes, we
2: have ri- yet to write a book that does that, so we have to bring other people on. Uh, his name is Jeff Benedict. He's been on the show before. He's produced uh, you know, and written a bunch of uh, fantastic books, including The Dynasty, talking about the Patriots most recently. He was at the game on Sunday with the Jets and Patriots. Here's my conversation from earlier today with Jeff Benedict. Well, Jeff, Zach Wilson's uh, you know, second game, not ideal, four interceptions, you know, four completions. It was a tough day, but what did you see being at the uh, Patriots-Jets game there?
3: So, uh, first of all, good morning. Uh, it's great to be back with you. Uh, there was a couple of things that, that stood out to me, uh, one of which is the, the importance of a rookie quarterback being in a system where he can learn and thrive and being with a coach that can groom and teach. And if you looked on the other sideline, Mac Jones has that in New England. They have an incredible system for young quarterbacks. It's the system that Tom Brady grew up in. Uh, And you have this long, long, consistent program that's been in place there for two decades. So if you looked at Mac Jones's performance, completes 80% of his passes, doesn't throw any interceptions, also doesn't throw any touchdowns, but he basically doesn't make rookie mistakes. It's a controlled offense. It actually looks boring, but it's very efficient, very effective. On the other side of the field, you have Zach Wilson, who's got all the talent in the world, but he's with a coach who's never coached as a head coach in the NFL before. There's, there's no system in New York. Um, he, he's really in a really tough spot to get started. And I think you saw all that playing out Sunday. But here's one other thing I noticed, which uh, tells you how bad Zach Wilson wants to win. One of the worst interceptions he threw was the one that looked like he actually threw it to Devin McCourty. And McCourty's running it back, and he's running and running and running. And who makes the tackle but Zach Wilson? And to me, that play actually stood out uh, as much as anything in terms of what he's about. I mean, what that shows you is how, how hard he's trying and how bad he wants to win. Um, you know, I think things would be different for him if he were in a different system though. And, and with a coach that, that had some, was long in the tooth in terms of his ability to to teach him
2: yeah new offensive coordinator and michael floor first time there as well is interesting and you you bring up the tackle he actually broke his thumb making a tackle in uh, the twenty nineteen season at Toledo that pushed him out, so he still went after the tackle, which is pretty interesting given that history so yeah, yeah. That, that shows his character i in the pre draft lead up. I was saying I wish Zach Wilson had been a little worse because then he has to go to the Jets because he was too good. I thought the Niners would have been an amazing fit for him uh, with the Kyle Shanahan influence there. Obviously, Michael Floor came from the Niners, but it's just a history with the Jets that's going to be tough to overcome. And Makai Beckton out, the left tackle, they already didn't have a great offensive line. The defense is going to struggle. It feels like it's going to be a long year for him, but... Steve Young has told us, hey, if he just shows some flashes of brilliance, there will be the hope and hopefully the improvement that the next couple of years, perhaps, even Zach Wilson can overcome (laughs) J-E-T-S.
3: Well, everybody knows he has talent and he has drive. And so um, it's going to be probably a bit of a slog, you know, through his, his rookie year. But, you know, we'll see.
2: So he was strongly defended by several people in the media yesterday because, obviously, a rookie throwing four picks, hey, how quick is the hook? It's not long in New York, right? Like He's going to get a legit chance to uh, go at this thing. And Bill Belichick has made many a rookie look foolish, has he not?
3: Yeah, I mean, there are so many things working against him Sunday, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him at all. But that's why I go back to uh, this happens to rookie quarterbacks a lot is – because they're great in college, they get drafted by the worst teams. I mean, that's how the draft order is set up. And so this is not unusual. I think that's why I count, I contrasted him with Mac Jones' situation. Mac Jones comes out of Alabama. He's a proven winner. That, that's a great program. But he wasn't projected as one of the top few quarterbacks to be picked, so he falls to 15, and he end up ends up in this fantastic system that's actually really well-suited for grooming a young quarterback.
2: Yeah, the juxtaposition there is stark, and Mac Jones falls to 15 in the Patriots. And hey, life's good, man, when you're on the Patriots, right? Uh, we talked to Jeff Benedict, uh, New York Times award-winning, best-selling author. You've written many books, which we featured here on the show. The latest one we've talked about, but The uh, the Dynasty, it's about the Patriots. Uh, I read it. I really enjoyed it. There's a shocking amount of BYU stuff uh, you know, in there somehow, whether it's Lee Johnson or Tom Brady being recruited by BYU and so on. Um, What's been the reaction since the book came out a little over a year ago?
3: So uh, the reaction in New England is predictable. Uh, You know, it's been extremely popular in the New England region. Um, I think outside of New England, what's been really interesting for me is I've actually had interactions with football fans from around the country. And, uh, you know, Giants fans, Jets fans, Steelers fans, a lot of the teams that are arch rivals of the Patriots, have actually really gotten into the book, partly because their teams are featured in the book, but also just because there's great football stories in here, no matter what team you like. And so I, I've actually had a, a pretty warm reception, you know, throughout the country, which has been, you know, from a writing standpoint, is is great.
2: And now it's available in paperback, which is fantastic. If uh, those are interested, you can find it just about anywhere, which is great. Kyle Van Noy, back to the Patriots, had that year with the Dolphins, kind of a shocking cut. Uh, and then he's back with New England. What have your conversations like been with Kyle Van Noy now that he's back in Boston?
3: Well, I, first of all, Kyle Van Noy is a—he's uh, like an an ideal prototype Belichick player. He's the kind of player that that Belichick has been recruiting uh, and bringing to New England for years. So when they first brought Kyle here a few years back, uh, he fit in. Uh, he was a quick fit. Uh, he became a starter, became a leader on the defense, won some Super Bowls here. I mean, if you look at how Kyle Van Noy's career started, from when he left BYU and spent the time in Detroit, and just all the frustrations to end up here, it, really to come to the best team and the best system was it couldn't have been better for him. He, the fans loved him here. Uh, the owner really, really likes him because because Kyle this in addition to being a great football player, he's very involved in the community, uh, He does a lot with philanthropy. Both he and his wife uh, set up a foundation that's been really well received in the Boston area. So when he left for Miami, I think a lot of people around here were disappointed. I think people were thrilled when he came back. And by the way, w- what's happened to Kyle is not unusual with this team. There, There are actually a number of players on the roster right now, like Kyle, who did an initial tour here left in free agency went somewhere else and then were jumping at the chance to come back and and Kyle is obviously making the most of that i think you know it, it's great to have him back in boston though
2: he certainly seems like a great fit there the day that he was uh traded um or signed you know by the patriots steve young was actually in studio with us and we informed him of the news and he said Kabam! just won a Super Bowl.
3: <laughs> so Steve, yeah. Steve knew it right away
2: a guy you're familiar with, having written a book with uh, yeah. Steve, which was which was fantastic as well. Um, Kyle's fit in in New England's good, and this New England team and you talk about the dynasty, sort of the sustainability from the early 2000s all the way to now. Obviously, no Tom Brady year two of this, hoping that Mac Jones is the next generation in some form. What is it about yeah. the Patriots that you think might be you know a I don't know, it's the second, third, or fourth wave of Belichick who could retire at any minute and still be the GOAT, right? But now he's renewed, it seems like, with a young quarterback.
3: Yeah, I, I think historically, uh, you know, I've, I, I would liken what Belichick, Brady, and Kraft accomplished in, in this century. So we're, we're 22 years into this century. The Patriots have dominated this century, not just in football, but American sport. They've won more than anybody else in team sports. Uh, They have been the greatest dynasty of this century. And I think if you project it forward, sports historians will look back and will look at this Patriots team, the one that just did the 20-year run, it'll be like we now look at Babe Ruth. I mean, it's almost like this epic folklore sports figure that you just go, wow, what it would have been like to live at the time of Babe Ruth and see that guy play. That's how people will look at this team you know, 75, 100 years from now. They, they've just done things that had never been done before and will never be done again. And I think it's really rooted in the fact that the owner, the coach, and the quarterback uh, have this very, very unique set of personal qualities and, and attributes that you don't see very often. And one of the biggest ones is the way all three of them deal with adversity and setbacks. I mean, if you just think about it, there was a 10-year drought between their last Super Bowl in 2004 and the next Super Bowl in 2014. We all know they won six, but after the first three, they went 10 years before they got back to the promised land. The idea that they actually stayed together for that whole 10 years is just, it's hard to even wrap your mind around that. And then they went on another run. Um, We'll just never see it again. And that's what really sets it up for a week from now when Brady returns to Foxborough. It's probably going to be the most watched regular season football game in history.
2: Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Jeff Benedict, uh, author, is joining us from Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Jeff, I know Lee Johnson has a big personality. He's on campus working with the athletic department. (laughs) Apparently there's a great story about when he got cut by uh, the Patriots.
3: I love Lee, and uh, when I was researching the dynasty and saw that he actually had a nice role here in the beginning of the dynasty. Uh, he he played under Belichick. He was actually Tom Brady's locker mate when Tom was drafted. So they share they were side by side in the locker room for a couple seasons, and then in the midst of this th- that second season, which was the year that Brady emerged as the replacement to Drew Bledsoe, uh, Lee was cut by Belichick. And so in the book, there's a great scene where Lee shows up at the stadium and is is told that. Belichick wants to meet with him he had, kind of has a sick feeling in his belly as he goes into the coach's office because you don't go to the coach's office unless it's bad news and and he goes in and Bill you know just tells him like we're letting you go and it, it, it's just sort of a it, it's a cold shocking like what just happened moment where Lee walks out of there and it's like he just lost his job and Lee at you know, the thing that makes it so shocking is at this time lee was the most accomplished punter in the entire nfl i mean he's not some second stringer or some guy who's just trying to get on the team he's the most accomplished punter in football and and bill cuts him loose and so i i wrote that scene from the perspective of lee sitting in the chair on the other side of the desk because you don't get to see that very often.
2: (laughs) I'm sure Lee took it well and uh, bounced back, which uh, we know he did playing for a couple other teams in the NFL. Okay, let's talk BYU for a sec. 3-0 start, Yep. three Power 5 wins, two ranked wins, ranked 15th. What's your perception of Cougar football right now?
3: Well, I've actually – I was able to watch the Utah game in its entirety, and I don't usually get to see uh, BYU games because they come on so late back here. Um, I actually stayed up and watched that whole game. And again, I'm just a distant observer when it comes to BYU. Not an expert. I, I just what I what I've seen though. This feels like a different team. It feels like a different. There's a different vibe around this team than the years in the past when I've seen BYU games. There was a few years when I was at a lot of BYU games, and this just. This feels different since Bronco Mendenhall left. um, I I haven't seen a BYU team that looks as good as this one does right now. And I think the fact that they've beaten three quality Pac-12 teams, like right out of the gate, boom, boom, boom. Um, You know, what you'd expect more likely is they win one of these games and then there's a huge drop off the next week. And, but this team seems more even keeled with their emotions and, the way they play on the field, they've obviously got a great quarterback. But I also wonder if part of this, just you're finally seeing the the results of having a coach who's now been there long enough that he's really got his system in place. All the recruits are his guys. They've all learned his system and, um, you know, the benefit of, of playing it out long enough to see what the coach can actually do. But I, to me, it's like if, if I were a BYU football fan, I'd be, I'd be pretty psyched right now.
2: Pretty psyched is an understatement, especially with the combination of the Big 12 news, so BYU fans are stoked right now. We're stoked to join the program. Uh, go get the Dynasty. Check it out if you haven't already. It's fantastic. I've read it. I enjoyed it. Jeff, we appreciate the time. Thanks for the insight.
1: Thank you. Jeff Benedict on BYU Sports Nation, New York Times best-selling author, always has some very interesting perspective because he's granted access to a lot of places that most people can't go.
2: Yeah, uh, especially with the Patriots. Pretty good stuff. Okay, coming up, Dave McCann on the Cougars 3 0 start.
1: In what moment, team, or player for BYU made you a lifelong Cougar fan? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible
0: Supply Chain Management. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, we live the BYU football win over
2: Arizona State. I think Cougar Nation made an impact in the game. Just wait until you see the episode. Check it out on the BYUSN Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube account.
1: He is Jerem, I am Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Jerem just laid out all of our fantastic social media platforms. Follow all of them, you get great con- content rather throughout the day. Uh, for the meantime, let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management Tackling America's most challenging shipping problems.
2: Brother John Wilder of the San Jose Mercury News put BYU second in his Pac-12 power rankings because, quote, BYU owns the South. End quote. Is this enough of a mea, co- mea culpa from Wilder?
1: No, but it's a start, <laughs> Jerem, because he really worked his way into becoming like public enemy number one or number two for most BYU fans, just hammering going the Cougars. Yeah. Yes, going out his way to like rank them lower. Like, and BYU's going to lose to on Arizona them. and
2: Washington State. Come on, man.
1: BYU's 3-0. Now he is finally recognized, and he tweeted out as much, BYU is good. That tweet came from his account on Saturday well, night. This isn't enough, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction. That's
2: not an apology. It's a fact. BYU's 3-0 and has been three Power Fives two ranked team. It's a fact that BYU is good right now. That's not an apology. It's but, not enough.
1: Let's get John on the show. Maybe he'll issue a <laughs> formal apology there. Formal? <laughs> Former BYU linebacker Derek Stevenson, tweeted out the following thought-provoking question recently. He asks, Every decade or so, BYU football has a team that creates a whole new generation of lifelong fans. Which team did it for you, Jerem? Which team, or even BYU player or moment, made you feel as a lifelong Cougar fan.
2: I did not live in Utah until 95, so it was the 96 team. I went to 10 of those 15 games. It was a beautiful existence. Oh, I was 13. We talked about last week the video that came out when I was 13 from the whack title game on the field that I'd never seen, which is super fun. Yeah, that that was a special season, no doubt.
1: Certainly, it's. I'm with you. It's the 96 team for me, but I think I became a lifelong fan when Ty Detmer was the quarterback. And it was more about him and that Heisman run, and just doing the improbable as a non-Power 5 quarterback to beat out Rocket Ishmael to win the Heisman Trophy. So for me, it's hard to beat Ty Detmer. He he almost single-handedly pulled me in and made me a lifelong BYU fan.
2: I wrote to Santa about Ty in the Holiday Bowl when I was at my grandma's house in Orem. So I didn't get it. My first BYU football game was Ty's senior at UCLA, and then I kind of couldn't watch games in the northwest so yeah it would have been tied remember that I lived here it would have been tied for sure remember that when
1: you couldn't watch every college football game ever
2: yeah pioneers man they had they had trouble coming up top five plays from Saturday's win against Arizona State did the record punt make the list
1: plus longtime BYU TV play-by-play man and host Dave McCann joins us to preview after further review loaded edition and does he root for BYU's opponents to do well even Utah this is BYU Sports Nation BYU Sports Nation is presented by the
0: BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After Further
2: reviews is on tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. is Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon. Break down the film against Arizona State, and there's a lot of film to break down. It's not actually film, though. It's digital. It's all good. Tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app.
1: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. We are welcoming in one of the hosts of After Further Review right now, Dave McCann, longtime play-by-play man. And uh, just a great guy overall, Dave. Look at the shirt. I like the shirt. The shirt selection today. Sending
4: some karma out east, even though Zach's coming west this week to play Denver. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's start there. He needs he needs a boost.
1: So Rex Ryan, longtime Jets coach, comes to Zach's defense on ESPN show called Get Up. Mike Greenberg's a longtime Jets fan. They all said, "Hey, he's got way too much on his shoulders." Rex Ryan said he's the most talented Jet since Joe Namath. What do you think about Isn't he all that?
2: Have a tattoo Is, of Mark Sanchez.
1: Yeah. Do, do you think that's a fair analysis that uh, people see to hold their horses on Zach Wilson? That he has that talent.
4: You know, you guys were talking about Ty a few minutes ago. I remember when Ty made his debut against Wyoming and he threw five interceptions. And on that day, there's not one of us, no matter how diehard anybody was, that dreamed that that guy's going to win the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> um, but as he got better, the game slowed down, and, and he was a magician at the end. And I think that's we're starting to see that. It's the same process all over again in the NFL. Rarely do they just go in and light it up. Uh, might have a game where they light it up, but reality always comes. You're going up against the best defenders in the world. Not preseason defenders. These are the A-listers, and I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be rough because Zach's on a bad team that's got to rebuild from every position, uh, and the spotlight's on him. You know, he won't be happy with four picks. That's a lot. That sounded horrible. I got out of church like, what? He threw four picks. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's the Jets, you know. They're just got to baby step their way up, like the Bills did a few years ago. Now the Bills are contenders because they got their quarterback and built around him. And that's what the Jets think they have with Zach. I think that's what they have with Zach, but they got to build around him. But there'll be some beatdowns this season. And even in the, the, the Patriot defense was good. The Patriot offense isn't good. They got a rookie quarterback themselves, but their defense trumped the Jets' defense. And what they went by. 13 points 19, or something like Yeah, that. yeah it, it
2: was, yeah, yeah.
4: So better days are ahead for Zach, and now we're, we're going to send some karma his way.
2: Yeah, I love it. Okay, let's talk about BYU and Arizona State. What, what a crazy game. 3-0, two ranked wins, the crowd, Tyler Algiers play. That was insane, man. It is so fun, and, and you just hope that, uh,
4: that Cougar Nation can enjoy the ride. You never know when it's going to end, and it might not. But you, didn't, you just don't know. There's just no guarantee in sports. But what there is a guarantee of is it's Tuesday, and BYU's 3-0, and and they're ranked 15th in the country. Some people are debating, well, I don't think they're the best fifteenth best team in the country. It doesn't matter. The national riders think that. So just enjoy the ride because it hasn't always been this way. And none of us thought, we thought BYU have a chance to win every game this season when you look at the matchup head-to-head. But the whole body of work? There was not many who thought they'd be three and zero. There's a lot of hopeful ones. As they go game by game, I can see that we BYU should beat Utah. If they play well. If they protect the ball. They have a chance to beat Arizona State if they win the turnover battle, which they did. And now they look at South Florida, and <coughs> it's got to be a game where the starters need the second half off. And this is kind of a could give them a, almost a week and a half. It'll sound horrible, but I'm not a coach, so I can say not on the team. Uh, you could almost give the starters a week and a half rest before Utah State. And then you got to do the same thing because of that stretch run you were talking about a moment ago with all the P5s. There are some games in there where Algier doesn't have to play more than a quarter and a half. Sure. And that, that would be good. That would preserve him for the USC's
1: at the yes, end. Yes,
2: I bet he's beat up. And and that's the cost of kind of playing this schedule, which we'll get used to in the Big 12. But here we are.
1: Yeah, we were, <clears throat> we were talking about the depth of this BYU football team. And asking each other, okay, do they have the depth, truly, to win 10 games in the regular season? I think it comes down to taking care of business against the next three group of five opponents, being 6-0 and going to Baylor. And then they've got a real shot to, uh, to win four of the final six, which includes USC, Baylor, Washington State, and Virginia. Do you feel like this team has the depth to win 10 regular season games?
4: Well, yeah. After the first three, and, and, and Peely, uh, you know, feel awful about his situation. But he's the only one that we've lost for the season. And other guys, like Kalani said a moment ago on the show, uh, everyone's good for this week. And, and Ellis is coming back. That's our best corner uh, that, that hasn't played for the last couple of games. So yeah, they do, but they've got to they've got to manage it. And I, I think the managing is get up 28 points early on South Florida and sit the rest. Let Baylor play three quarters or let him play a half or let, let Conover get in for a quarter. But that's on the guys because they got to go out and do it. The other team's coming expecting to play four quarters of hard football and stuff, so there's no guarantee. Yep. No one's going to take a knee, but South Florida.
2: BYU will on an extra point.
4: <laughs> South Florida, <laughs> Idaho State, and Georgia Southern. Those are three games where BYU's starters should not be in past halftime, okay. and that sets them up for being healthy <laughs> in some of those other big ones. And, and every game on that schedule, when we were here last time, we looked at the one that was like, show me a game on that schedule where BYU couldn't win when you look at them, can they win all 12? That's, that's ominous. Probably not. But when you go game to game, could they beat USC? Well, USC's playing their freshman quarterback. Um, Local kid. And, you know, and that game's still so far away. Who knows who's going to still be standing there. But, but absolutely they could. I think Arizona State might be the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, and we said it's much earlier. You yeah, know?
2: yeah. In the Pac-12, more than Oregon. Maybe, well, maybe in the not. South. Maybe, yeah, the in the South, South. for sure. South. Yeah, okay. Oregon,
4: clearly the best team.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, after further review tonight. What's in store?
4: The beauty of After Further Review is we're not on film, as you mentioned a moment ago. <laughs> and with digital, you can do all these things with the stuff. And so we're going to look at the punch-out play from Algier oh, and a bunch of different angles. What a play. Get David and Blaine to dissect the thing. and, and it I want might a reenactment. Be, uh, can we do that? <laughs> yeah. Blaine will, come, Blaine will come leaping. He'll have to sign the insurance waiver. But he'll actually leave the ground, yes. come over Nixon's shoulder, and try to knock that away. <laughs> But was it the greatest play in the, in the history of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, at least on defense? It might be. And a lot of people were talking about that, that Kyle Morrell hawaii stop mm-hmm. um, as one of the greatest defensive plays in school history. That only got bigger as the season went on. Yeah. Kyle Morrell made that tackle on September 22nd. Wow. There were eight other games. And so as they got to 9-10, they won them all, they're looking back going, well, you know what play saved the season, all the way back in September. Yeah. Back in September, it was just a really good play that helped them win that game. Time's going to tell us how uh, valuable this play was and this performance by Algier, uh, and and could it become the greatest? Well, if BYU runs the table, it will all of a sudden become this is massive. Right now, it's just the coolest thing we've seen in so long.
1: (laughs) All right, final question for you, Dave. Do you care what BYU's opponents do after maybe BYU plays them, or even before them? Like, do you root for all of BYU's opponents to play well to help to strength the schedule factor? No.
4: No? No. I, well, I've never rooted for Utah one single day. <laughs> I cheered for Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I don't, I don't even care. And, so you're uh, okay seeing the, and the Salt Lake McCants State. are Utah fans, at least a lot of them. I, I don't even care about that. Uh, Boise State, I have a hard time cheering for them, too. I don't know why. Um, I was happy that Central Florida beat them, and I'm like, <laughs> there's, no, there's no real reason for that. But the others, the others would be great. You know, I, I, like, uh, I like Bronco and his staff, and I want them to do really well. Uh, and I think that's going to be a great game on, on October 30th here. But
2: just
4: Virginia. So maybe Virginia. <laughs> There's a couple others. I like UNLV. You know, I spend a lot of time with the Rebels. Yeah. I always look to see how they're doing. You
1: okay with Arizona State playing well after this? Yeah, I'd love to see Arizona play. Right. I, I,
4: I think Herm Edwards is, is a real <laughs> cool guy. And, and Jaden Daniels is a good quarterback. Who could not run against BYU? Ten defense. yards.
3: Yeah, ten Crazy. yards.
4: So yeah, so there's a couple in there, but then again, <laughs> you know,
1: fair enough. I, no, I appreciate the honesty. I think <laughs> that's great. I
4: think in, in Utah scrimmage, I've cheered for the JV team. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's just
1: that's just how we were raised it's to that level. I love it, Dave McCann. I, I'm with you. <laughs> See you guys. We're looking forward to you on after further review tonight. Thank okay, you. Coming up, rise and shoutouts, and Top Five Tuesday features the top five plays from BYU's win over ASU. Which includes I an all timer. An all timer mm. is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> this
0: portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of
1: BYU athletics. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the
2: pod, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and review
1: that. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines this week. The Top 5 plays from Saturday night's win over number 19 Arizona State, including an all-timer. We'll get there.
2: 5 on the opening kickoff, Talmadge Gunther. Bill Barr forces the fumble. Hayden Livingston recovers. On Arizona State's 12-yard line, Algier would punch it in three plays later. Talmadge didn't seem to realize he even caused the fumble until he turned
1: around, and BYU recovered. He's celebrating with The Rock. Yeah, Number baby. four, first half. Arizona State driving inside BYU's 20-yard line. Peyton Wilgar delivers a big hit on Arizona State's Curtis Hodges. Pops the ball out for Max Tooley to make the diving interception. Teamwork is fun, isn't it? Wilgar recognizing some misdirection. Staying home to set up Thule's big pick. It makes the dream work. Number three, little trickery here. Algier takes
2: the handoff, pitches it to Neil Pau, back to Jaron Hall. Similar play from the uh, bowl game. We've seen this before. Yes, we have. Touchdown Gunnar Romney, best receiver between the end zones now.
1: Hey, he's scoring touchdowns for sure. Love it. Number two, the dagger. Third and goal. Fourth quarter, Baylor Romney in for the injured. Jaren Hall stumbles with pressure pressure in his face to only where Isaac Rex can catch it. (laughs) Touchdown, the Elk. Moss is his defender. Good night, Arizona State. (laughs) BYU unbeaten and in the top 15.
2: We break down that uh, play in the film room tonight on Stocky Show. In the top play, one we won't forget, Jaren Hall throws a pick. Tyler Algier chases down Merlin Robertson for the jump punch out to save a touchdown and get the ball back. This might have won BYU the game. Oh, he, say, he saved the game. He saves the game because BYU might lose it if he doesn't do that. Incredible. BYU
1: has not trailed all season long, and that is a large reason why that stat still exists. I heard somebody call it the Tomahawk Takeaway. Nice. I like that. And I like that. I like that. All right. Those are your top five plays on Top Five Twos there. Question of the day. Uh, How do you feel about BYU's opponents? Do you want them to do well the rest of the season? Why or why not? Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Tyson Peterson on Twitter. To quote Coach Itake, wishing bad things on good people is not good for the soul.
2: What if they aren't good people? (laughs) (laughs) Has that been asked? Hey,
1: fair enough. Today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We want to give one to Keenan Peely yeah, for, sure. for a quick recovery. He's an incredible football player. We look forward to seeing him back on the field for the Cougars, uh, hopefully in the very near future.
2: Yeah, and one for John Weller for just owning it, you know. He's Still want around. a little
1: more. He's coming around. Yeah. 3-0, baby. Step in the right direction. Our thanks to today's guest, Jeff Benedict, New York Times bestselling author, and Dave McCann.
2: Sorry already done us We ran out of time.
1: For Jeremiah Spencer, shout-out to Austin Lee. We'll see you on after further review and BYU football with Kalani Satake tonight. Both brand new on the app. Go Kooks! Still can't believe he made that play.
2: Unbelievable!